I want to I turn to uh, a psalm that's written about Daniel and his friends. And I, I've, I've, I've heard this psalm many times over in my life, but, but as, as, I was, as I was thinking about this series, it just has brought a brand new light to this song. And it's talking about these people that were in the land of Babylon, which is where Daniel was, far away from home, far away from where he lived in Jerusalem, because the people of God had been disobedient. And God says, okay, if you want to just keep doing it your way, then I'll let you do it your way. And, and when you do things your way instead of God's way, the consequences um, of, of the choices are, are not what we want. And that's exactly what happened. They were overtaken by the, by the Babylonian people for over 70 years. And in this time is where we get the story of Daniel. But I want to show you this. I, and and uh, I really, hopefully, this can just kind of be a, a frame for this message today. And it's Psalm 137, verse 1. It says, alongside Babylon's rivers, we sat on the banks. We cried and cried, remembering the good old days in Zion. I don't know if in your life you can identify with that. Maybe you're in a season that's not so good and you can remember the good old days. Alongside the quaking aspens, or, or a lot of translation says along the willow trees, we, we stacked our unplayed harps. So they hung their harps on the willow trees that were and their captors demanded songs from them sarcastically and mocking. They said, "Sing us a happy song, oh, oh, sing us a Zion song. Oh, how could we ever sing God's song in this wasteland?" They asked. How could we sing God's song in the wasteland? Uh, another translation of this, most in this word wasteland. I love the idea of that wasteland, but. But a lot of translations use this word, strange land. Can you say that with me? Strange land. They had been taken far from their homeland, and they were at a place of captivity. And instead of singing the songs that they had sung back home in Jerusalem, they hang their harps or their musical instrument. They hang their, their instruments on trees, and they sit in silence while people say, Hey, why don't you sing us one of those Zion songs? And they say, how could we ever sing God's song in this strange land? I want to teach today, preach today on this, how to sing God's song in a strange land. I don't know if you can identify with these people that were in a strange land physically, but maybe you can identify with a strange land of the soul, a strange land of the emotions, a place that you never maybe expected to be in, and, and, and there's, there's mocking, that your situation is mocking you, that you have all this faith in God, and then this situation that you're face-to-face with, God's like, what are you doing? You know, the situation's saying, what are you doing trusting in God? That it's mocking you, and said, oh, sing uh, one of those happy Zion songs. And, and this, this kind of shows us something about God and God's people, that, that the Jewish people were singing people. That, uh, that, that there, was, there was something different about these people, these people of God, is that they loved to sing. This was not something that most religions did. This is, this is something that was very different from all the pagan religions of their day, that, that the Israelite people had a song in their heart. As a matter of fact, the first time that, the, the, that singing is ever referenced in the Bible is after God delivered the Israelite people out of the land of Egypt through the Red Sea in, the, in chapter 15 of Exodus verse 1 and says, and Moses began to sing. I love that. That, that, that the deliverance of God put a song 
in the heart of Moses. That, that we as believers, those of us who have been set free, we have a song to sing from our God. See, you probably don't have a song if God's never brought you through anything. But if God's ever been there in the darkest hour of your life, if he's, ever, if he's ever given you peace in the middle of the storm, if he's ever done a deliverance in your life, a Red Sea deliverance in your life that you once were lost, but now you're found that God puts a song in your heart. Am I preaching to anybody this morning that knows what it's like to get a song in your heart of the goodness of God? That, that I didn't deserve it, but he was good to me anyway. That he's blessed me, that he's healed my body, or he brought me through, or I, don't, I, don't, I shouldn't be here, but I am. There are people under the sound of my voice that you should be here, you should not be here today. That you should have died. That you should have been, been so far from God after the divorce. You should have been, that, that you should have been down for the count, that the enemy thought he had you in his crosshairs. But God, but God in the middle of the situation and circumstance came through, and he gave you a song. I love that. See, all these other religions, they had a bunch of servants. But God didn't just want servants. He wanted some singers. See, see servants can just kind of do what they do. But, but, but if you're going to have a song, you got to be a... Man, there, there, there's something. You can, you, you can give somebody a sheet of music, but that doesn't mean they can sing it. You, you, can, you can hand somebody a guitar. You can teach them all the technique of the guitar. But, but there's something about somebody who knows how to play. There's something about somebody who's got the song in their heart. You, you, can't, you can't teach that. It's something that comes from the inside that God puts a song in the heart. And, and there are some of us in this place. I felt like God gave me this message to teach to you today because there are some of us in this place that you're in a strange land and you've lost your song. You've lost your song. Yeah, you may lose your voice, but I want to encourage you, never lose your song. You may go off pitch from time to time. <laughs> don't look around at anybody. Like I heard you singing. But don't lose your song. You may get off beat sometimes. But don't ever lose your song in a strange land. You see, if these people would have understood why God gave them a song... Why God gave them a song to sing. They would have understood that they could sing God's songs in the middle of their captivity. Don't wait till the miracle's done for you to give God glory. There's something that I've learned about God. And it's that He loves the applause before the performance. See, if you pay for a ticket and go down to the Tennessee Theater, watch your favorite band, you're going to let them perform, and then after the performance, you're going to clap your hands. After the end of the performance, you're going to clap your hands so much that they're going to come out and do an encore, right? But, but see, that makes sense. After the performance is done, you, 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 you give them thanks for the performance. You, you give them applause for the performance. But see, God's not that way. God says, uh, if you, faith gives the applause before the performance takes place. Faith gives God glory before the miracle takes place. Anybody can sing the song after it's done, but, but it takes somebody with a song in their heart to be able to sing in the middle of it, sing before it, and sing after it. You can be in captivity, in captivity not be in you, if you have a song. Just ask Daniel. He kept a song in his spirit despite the circumstance that surrounded him. We see his story 
in, throughout the book of Daniel, but specifically in Daniel chapter 6, we get the famous story of Daniel and the lion's den. How could you do a series about Daniel without talking about Daniel and the lion's den? Man, this is the story. This is the time in Daniel's life where he was challenged with keeping the song that God had put in his life. You see, Daniel was the opposite of the psalm that we read earlier because Daniel didn't hang his harp on the willow tree. Daniel didn't let his circumstance steal his song, but rather Daniel kept his faith and kept his integrity and kept his love for God even in the strange land of his life. And we're going to see this on full display in this story of Daniel and the lion's den. I, even, I don't even like that title. I would much rather call it the lions in Daniel's den. Because when God got a hold and the favor of God was in his life, it was no longer ruled by the authority of those lions. Now it was ruled by the authority of the man of God that was in the middle of the circumstance. And the authority changed roles whenever God came in the picture. I want to tell you, when God's on your side, it doesn't matter what den you're in. It doesn't matter what pit someone throws you into. God is able to deliver you. It says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel was such an influencer. Daniel was such a man of God and trust that not only he was religious, not, not only was he just religious, he was in the, in the secular society, in the business world. People said there's something different, there's something exceptional about this leader. Says, I don't understand his God, but 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 there's something different. That's my prayer for the people of City Hills. People that we don't run around throwing Bibles at people, but we run around living our life for God where people say, Hey, there's there's some I don't even know if I believe what those people believe, but there's something different about them. I love Daniel's exceptional qualities. It says at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel, so they didn't like it. He was getting he was getting promoted, and they, other people didn't like it. All these other leaders didn't like it. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. Wow. Because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor neg negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel. Watch this. Unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they start drumming up a plan. We can't stop him with any other thing because he has nothing in him that's bad. Except if we could find something to do with the way that he worships his God. You see, Daniel had some song stealers in his life. If I could say that, all of us along the way are going to have some song stealers. That people that try to steal your song because people will try to steal your song. There are some people in our lives that are song stealers. Song stealers. That they want to take away the song that God's put in your heart. That their attitude or their, their spirit, maybe it's someone you work with, maybe it's somebody that, that's in your family. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker or, or, or someone that's around you. And, and, and constantly there's this, there's this pull to try to steal the song of your life. Daniel had people, attitudes, people that persecuted him. Maybe you've been persecuted. Maybe people are prejudiced against your life. You can identify with Daniel. 
Maybe, maybe you have been belittled because of your beliefs and people try to steal the song and try to say, well, if you just kind of change this aspect of your life, and then, you know, then, then it would kind of go well with, with us. But people tried to steal Daniel's song. It says, so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and watch what they do. They sing, may King Darius live forever. They were, they were just a bunch of kiss-ups. It says, then the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and the governor, uh, they, we've all agreed that the king, watch what they say, the king should issue an edict to enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty... Issue the decree and put it in writing so that it can't be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians. This was a binding agreement which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Here's the second thing that will try to steal your song. Uncertainty will try to steal your song. In the middle of this situation that was going on with Daniel, they passed this edict that if he prays to his God, that they're, they're going to throw him into this lion's den. And I think... He was at this place where he was face to face with uncertainty. Like, what's going to happen in my life? If I could ask you a question this morning, what in your life right now are you uncertain about? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your school. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's your emotional health. Maybe it's your body. What, what, what uncertainty right now do you have in your life? Because uncertainty will try to steal the song away from you. Uncertainty, this pressure of our day, this pressure of, well, is God really going to come through? Is God really going to do it in your life? This, this uncertain reality, what's, what's, what's going to happen? And, and the purpose of the uncertainty is to steal the song away from you. So much of being a Christian is to live your life with faith in the midst of uncertainty. A lot of times we think faith is, the, faith is certainty. Faith, faith is always having your brain around every situation that's having, happening in your life. Uh, that, 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 that you always have to know. I, I want to admit, I don't know. I don't know. You say, well, that's not very good. You're supposed to be the preacher. You know, we come to church because the preacher's supposed to know. Let me admit, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many things in this life, in this journey, this walk with God that I just, I, I, I just don't know. And I want to know many things, but I just, I just don't know. And that uncertainty of not knowing in the middle of the situation, I, I believe for me it draws me closer. And it, it has a choice. It can either draw me closer to my God who does know, or it can draw me away from God, me trying to figure it all out myself, me trying to kind of get it all together myself, me trying to fix up my life together. Some people say, well, you know, I, I haven't been to church lately. I've really been going through, I've been making some, I've been going through some things. I've been making some mistakes in my life. And, and, and I, I, I want to look at people and say, that's, that's what the church is for. Like the church isn't for perfect people that have everything figured out. But the church is for broken people, imperfect people, people that say, man, I don't understand why this is going on in my life. It's very uncertain, but I, I know this, that, that, that God is, that's the one thing that I'm certain on. And that's what church is. Church is when we come together with all kinds of circumstances and situations in our life, and we come together toe-to-toe, face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder at the foot of the cross, and we declare that God is above every situation that we will ever face. That God is able, even in the uncertainty of our lives. So watch this. 
Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, so watch what he does. I love this. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went in a group and, as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. They went there because they knew they would find him there. This was their whole plan. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. I love Daniel that he just did what he's always done. Like Daniel has this swagger about him. Like, you're not going to mess with me. Like, I love that. He's like, well, all right. What are you going to do about it, Daniel? Are you going to lie about your worship? Are you going to hide it? I mean, there are so many things. He's like, well, no, I'm just going to kind of do what I've always done. You know, he's like, you know, serving God got me here. I just figured serving God will keep me here. That's the awesome thing about serving God, everybody. Because whatever, whatever gets you somewhere, it's going to have to keep you there. So in other words, if you lie to get something in life, you're going to keep it. You're going to have to keep lying. If you push people out of the way at work and you're dishonest and you're, you have the attitude and you, and, and you just kind of bite and scratch and claw and anger your way through every situation, there's all kinds of just bloody situations all in your wake, and, but you, you made it you know, to the top of the pile. And if, if you made it through the fight yourself, then you're going to have to sustain it in the fight yourself. But if God got you to where you are, but if God brought you to your situation, if God brought you to your position, like Daniel would say, if God brought you there, then man couldn't take you away if he had to. That, that, that if, if you have a confidence in your God, it doesn't matter what the circumstance does around you. Because if God brought you there, he's going to take you. He's going to keep you there. I always say this, you, beware of the lions then unless your name is Daniel. Because if everybody else, even after this story, other people get thrown into the den and, and the lions, they have a good appetizer and they have a good dessert and they just, they enjoyed themselves. But when Daniel got in the lion's den, the, the mouths of the lions couldn't do anything about it. What is that? When God's favor is on your life and his grace is empowering you to live and move and lead, nobody can touch your life. Daniel had this swagger and had this confidence. So, so how did he do it? And, and more importantly, how do we do it? I want to give you just three things today of how we keep our song when we're in the strange land of life. Here's, here's the first one. How to have a song in a strange land. First of all, remember what God has brought you through. Remember what God has brought you through. If you've lost your song, if I could just encourage you today, take a moment and remember what God's brought you through. I could just see Daniel doing this. In this time in his life, scholars believe he was in his 80s. And, and he, had this, he had this perspective on his life that, you know what? If God was faithful to me whenever I was 17, whenever everybody else in my school was eating all kinds of things that they shouldn't and eating the king's meat in Daniel chapter 1... But, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And the same God that kept me then and exalted me then for my faithfulness, it's the same God that's going to take care of me when I'm 80, in my 80s. That the same God that was touching my life then, it's like what David said. He said, when faced with Goliath, he said, well, I, I don't know about killing a giant, but I do know that, that God delivered me from the hand, from the paw of the lion and from the hand of the bear. And I just believe that if God could do it in that part of my life, then God's going to do it in 
this part of my life. So, so many times your future victory, the confidence you need for, for today's victory is found in the confidence of what God's done in your past. So, so many times you need to reach into the past and, and, and remember what God has done in your life. So much of serving God is managing your memories. So much of God in our walk with God is managing our memories because I believe we have no problem remembering our failures. <laughs> I mean, how many can remember some failures right now? Yeah, I just say the word failure like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Don't preach about that. <laughs> oh, I knew he'd talk about how he knows what I've done. You know what I mean? The, man, I believe we have no trouble remembering our failures because we have a constant uh, enemy, the devil, that's constantly accusing us because of our failures. But we have a lot harder time remembering the good things that God has done in our life and remembering how God's been with us and how we trusted him every step of the way. So much so that so much of the Bible in the Old Testament is God telling the people to do things physically to remind them of what he's done in their past. So, for example, whenever he took them out of Egypt through the Jordan River, he said, hey, 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 guys, before you go, before you go into Canaan, before you go and, 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 I, and I populate this land, I need 12 stones. I want them to be put right here by the bank of the river, one for every tribe. And here's what I want them to be for. Every time your sons and daughters see those stones, they're going to ask you a question. Hey, Dad. Hey, Mom. What do those stones mean? He says, and then I want you to tell them that we were strangers in a strange land, that we were servants and slaves under Egypt. But God, with his mighty hand, he picked us up and he delivered us. And every time they'd see that place, it would remind them of what God had done. If I could give you any encouragement today, it would be this. You and I need to constantly set up monuments to what God has done in our lives. We need to set up things. We need to set up physical reminders that you put in your house, that you put around you. And, and so much so when your kids ask you what God has done, you, you point to the picture. You point, I have a rock. That, I have a rock that represents a miracle that God did in, in, a, in a financial miracle God did in my life about seven years ago. And I keep that rock and it's on my desk. And, 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 my, and it, it says the word college on it. God, it was, it was in relation to college. And I put that on there. And, and every time my sons come in there and mess with us, I said, don't touch that. That's my miracle rock. Well, Dad, what's your miracle rock? I said, son, that represents a time where God came through where I didn't know how it was going to happen. But God did a miracle in my life. And church, I want to tell you, if we could start remembering what what God has done in our past, we will start fighting in the future for what he's, for what he's going to take us through. And it will bring a song in our heart. I love it. Bring a song in our heart when we start remembering the miracle. that what, So what's God done in your life? Has God ever came through when you didn't think he was going to come through? Did God ever make a way where he didn't seem like he was going to make a way? God ever save you? Should you have been in an accident, but you weren't? And you don't know why you weren't, but it was God. Should, should, should that situation have taken you down, but God brought the right time? Did you ever not know how you were going to get that job, but God just, you met the right person that connected you here, and you look around, you think, I, I don't even understand why I'm in the middle of the blessings that I'm in the middle of. Remember what God has done. And start building those memories and reminding yourself that because if God's done it once, church, he'll do it again in our lives. Here's the second thing. If you want to have a song in a strange land, choose faith over fear. Choose faith over fear. I think there's always two roads that we can choose in life. Are we going to choose the road of faith? Are we going to choose the road of fear? That there's two 
two, two perspectives that we can take against any circumstance. Are we going to choose the, the road of faith? Or are we going to choose the song of fear? I, I love what Isaiah 54 verse 1 says about a woman that's barren. And it was representative of the nation of Israel in a very barren time in their life. It's a, a, a situation that was very desolate and bad. It says, watch what he tells them to do. It says, sing. Could you say that with me? Sing, barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song. It's like antithetical. It doesn't make sense. Why? I would much rather cry because I'm not having what I want. See, see just, just let fear take you to a place of, 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 of paralyzation where you're just stopping where you are. But, but faith does the opposite. It says, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who are never in labor. Because, watch this, watch this faith. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who is a husband, says the Lord. In other words, your situation's not going to always be this way if you choose the way of faith. So watch this. So even in your barren situation, go ahead and build a baby room. Enlarge the place of your tent. Go ahead and get a baby crib. Go ahead and paint the walls pink and blue. Stretch out your tent curtains wide and don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. What is he saying? In your situation of desert, barrenness, strange land, instead of choosing to talk about the fear that you feel, choose to worship God in the middle of faith. Choose to say, okay, God, I don't understand, but I trust you in the middle of it. God, I love you right in the middle of the situation. God, I love you every step of the way. Because fear paralyzes, but faith mobilizes. Every time. Whenever I was in high school, I worked at a farm. Me and a friend of mine, we worked together on a farm and um, the, the owner, he loved animals and uh, we would take care of the animals a lot of times. And, and, but when one day we came to work and he had gotten, he'd got some new animals and they were called fainting goats. It's a real thing. We were like, no, what, what is this? What is this? And, and he's like, no, for real. And he showed us that if you would scare these beautiful little creatures... They would lock their legs up, and they would just fall right over. He said, well, don't, don't scare them too bad, though. You know? And for two teenage boys, that was like Christmas morning. <laughs> so for weeks, we'd get out of school as fast as we could. We'd get to, that, we'd get to work early, all to scare those poor fainting goats. And, uh, and, and we would, we would, the problem with it is the more they got scared, the more it would take to scare them. So, so our scare tactics became, um, much just greater and greater, you know, it started with the, ha, you know, and then, then, it, then it had to be a louder noise and it was like jumping off a building, ha, you know, and then it was just like more and more and more. <laughs> so I'm sure those, those goats are in counseling right now somewhere. So Lord, forgive me for the. Fear that I caused to those goats. But what it showed me is that, faith, that, that fear paralyzes us. How many times does, does, does the enemy throw you with a little bit of fear your way? The question is, what do you do whenever the fear comes? What do you do? Do you, do you choose to just live in the fear? See, see, worry is just faith in your fear. That's what worry is. 
Worry is faith in the negative or, or faith in your fear. That's, that's all worry is. Some of us, we're professional worriers. I, I, can, I can worry with the best of them. You know, that, that, that worry is just when the fear comes, you believe the fear. That's what worry is. But, but, but faith is whenever the, the situation comes and you believe God instead of the worry. You, you believe God instead of the fear. You believe God instead of the situation. Watch this. Fear is simply this false evidence appearing real. That's what fear is. Fear is false evidence appearing real. In Daniel's situation, it looked like he was going to die in the lion's den. I mean, that was, I mean, you put two and two together, den of lions, Daniel, what's going to happen? You know, that should make sense. But, but, but God could transcend the, the false evidence that was appearing real. And Daniel chose to make his decision with courage based on what he knew about God instead of about what he knew about his situation. And he chose faith instead of fear. See, see, fear is a thermometer. It, it tells the temperature of the situation. But faith is a thermostat. Faith sets it. Faith sets the atmosphere. Faith sets the tone. Faith is not the absence of fear. But faith is choosing to do the right thing in spite of your fear. To live a miracle kind of life. See, faith, a life of faith, gives God an opportunity to do a miracle in your life. There are some of us, we've never got close to a miracle. Why? Because we've always played it safe. We've never got close to a miracle because we've always played everything so close to the chest because we're terrified and afraid. But faith gives God an opportunity to do a miracle. I feel like it's my job as a pastor to get you living a life, like getting you out on a limb in faith. See, out on the limb is where the fruit is. The fruit is not just in the safe zone. The fruit, you got to climb a little bit. you got to reach out a little bit. And it's at those places of faith where you meet Jesus. It's at those places of faith that you know he's in control. It's at those places of faith where you say, God is real. And he came through in my life. And let me tell you, kids, and let me tell you, friends, and let me tell you, neighbors, God has been faithful to me. But it only happens whenever you live a life of faith. Step out, thrive, don't just survive. Uh, prisoners get three meals a day. Let's say that again. Prisoners get three meals a day. Like if that's your goal, well, I just want to kind of make it through the day and just kind of want to make it through my life and make it through my career. I just want to make it through my career. Then you are wasting the grace of your God because God didn't create you to be a nobody just making it through life. God created you for greatness, not your greatness, but that your life would display his greatness like Daniel did. And when, But we can't do that if we're always choosing fear. But what do we do when God speaks to us about the impossible? Do we step out and do it or do we just stay in the safe zone, it all is about what we choose, faith or fear. So what happens in Daniel's life? So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation may not be changed. And the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating or watching Netflix. Being brought to him. That's the, that's the, that's the message translation. Right there. He couldn't sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den where he came near the den and called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, 
servant of the living God. Has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything, any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And Daniel was lifted from the den. No wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Is that not awesome? That God is faithful when we keep our song. That God is faithful when we keep singing his song, even in the strange, barren land of life. Here's the third thing, how to have a song. Get in the rhythm of prayer. This whole story started with Daniel's faithfulness to get in the rhythm of prayer in his life. Three times a day. This was his rhythm. Question, what's your rhythm? Do you have a rhythm of prayer or do you have a rhythm of worry? Most of us have a rhythm of comparison. If you're constantly on social media, if you're constantly watching, maybe you're, maybe, maybe if, you have, if you're constantly on social media, I'll speak for myself. When I'm constantly on social media, I'm constantly in a comparison. I have a rhythm of comparison. Morning, noon, night, comparison, comparing constantly. Or maybe you're, 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 you, you love watching what's happening around in our culture, and what you get from that is a constant diet of fear, constant diet of, of what's happening negative in our society. And you need to know what's going on with your friends. I, you, I know what's going on with my friends. You need to know what's happening in the world. I know what's happening in the world. But there has to be a rhythm that's greater when we have the rhythm of prayer, when we have the rhythm of the Word of God, when we get that rhythm in our life. That's not a rhythm of fear. That's not a rhythm of comparison. That's a rhythm of faith. That's a rhythm that gives us strength in the middle of the storm of life. That's a rhythm that has the ability to change everything else that we face in our lives. Here's, here's, here's the truth, that if you don't get anything outside of today, take this home, that the key to standing strong is kneeling often. The key to standing strong is kneeling often. The more you pray, the more confident you have, confidence you have at school, at work, in your marriage, in your situation, in your finances, in your health. The more confidence you have whenever we spend time with prayer. The only way we'll move forward is by prayer. We are who we are today by prayer. That, that, that you are who you are because, because of the prayers that you pray. Maybe you, maybe you have no prayers. Maybe it's, maybe it's all in your own ability and your own power. And we, we get what we can do. But, but when we pray, we get what God can do. See, bold prayers honor God because God honors bold prayers. That the, that the rhythm of prayer, the rhythm of seeking God... The rhythm of seeking God in Daniel's life gave him a confidence to be able to stand for God when everybody else was bowing to the culture around them. That God has given us the ability to be as powerful as our prayer life. So I want to help you a little bit. Just get very practical as we conclude the message today. What does it look like to pray? What is prayer? What, is it, what does that mean? What, what, what is prayer? A lot of times it's like, man, this is... I'm not good. I don't speak old English. I can't pray. You know, thou mightiest God of the universe, thou, thou searcheth meeth and knoweth thouest. And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't know how to, how to pray. I just want to give you just some simple ideas about what prayer is because it's not, it's difficult. It's not as foreign. It's not as strange as maybe you may think. Here's the first thing that prayer is. Prayer submission. I can see Daniel doing this. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand what's going on in my situation. I don't want to understand why they're against me. But God, I'm just going to bow my knee right now. Say, I cannot do this without you. I can't live without your strength. 
I can't make it today without your power. I've tried it on my own before, and it didn't work. God, I need your help, and I need your strength in my life. Prayer is, is simply submitting to God. This is what Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says this when you pray. Pray our Father in heaven. In other words, I got a dad. I have a Father in heaven. I don't know what your relationship with your earthly father is or was. Maybe it was a great relationship and you have no trouble seeing God as this loving father. Or maybe your relationship was bad and you're self-sufficient in your walk with God because you don't want to bug him. You don't want to bother him. But he says, no, every time you come to me, start by saying, Dad, I need your help. Dad, I, I, I can't do this on my own. Here's the second thing. The prayer is confession. Prayer is confession. Prayer is simply saying, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your strength. I, I can't do this without you. I, when you. When you pray, just confess what you're going through. Confess what you need. Confess your, your faults. Confess your problems. It, it's not surprising to him. He, and it's not the, he's not trying to put you down or put your nose in the... I think so much of it, he just wants us to acknowledge that, hey, I need some help, Dad. Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And I love how the message puts it. It says, Soak me in your laundry, God, and I'll come out clean. I need that. Scrub me and I'll have a snow white life. Tune me into foot tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. God, give me a clean bill of health. Make a fresh start in me. Create a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash, God, or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile and put a fresh wind in my sails. In other words, prayer is just simply saying, God, I need you. Maybe somebody needs to do that today. You're going through a lot, but you're keeping it inside yourself. And today, as we worship here in just a moment before we go, this would be a great time to just confess your need to God. Here's the third thing. Prayer is worship. Prayer is worship. When we lift up our hands, when you drive down the road and put on a song that lifts your spirit, I mean, that's, 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 that's what keeps that song in your heart, that, that worship in your step. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, but, but say in heaven, but, but also say, How I worship your name. That's why I love at City Hills, this is a place of worship. That people aren't afraid to lift up their hand or, or clap their hands or, or come down to the front or, 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 or worship God freely. Why? Because when we worship God, it puts a song in our heart. When we worship God, it does something. It changes the atmosphere around us. When we, when we start agreeing with what God says, here's the next thing that worship is, and that prayer is friendship. Prayer is friendship. Here's what, watch what it says about Moses. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as the Lord speaks to a friend. I put this in my notes. God is the inventor of FaceTime. He loves it. He loves it. Prayer is just FaceTime with a friend. Prayer, prayer doesn't have to be this formal thing where you have to, you know, be at a, this certain spot, you know, and, and be all religious. Prayer is speaking with a friend about what's going on in your life. Not having it all figured out, not, not trying to outpray somebody, but just being with a friend. I need you. Help me. Friendship. Here's the fifth thing and final thing. Prayer is asking. Prayer is asking. Concluded with this because I think there are so many things in our life. I think Daniel represents what a life looks like 
lived by prayer. Because Daniel kept doing the impossible. Kept doing the impossible. Thing after thing after thing. Just kept doing the impossible. And it happened because he prayed and sought after God. Jeremiah 33, 3, and we'll conclude with this. This is God's message. The God who made earth, made it livable and lasting. Call to me, and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wonderful things that you could never figure out on your own. Question, what are you trying to figure out on your own? You don't have to. Give it to God. He'll keep the song in your heart. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, for your truth. Thank you for the example of Daniel. Lord, thank you, God, that you don't leave us alone in the middle of our circumstance. You don't leave us alone in the middle of our situation. God, but you put a song in our heart. And Father, I pray right now for anyone under the sound of my voice that's lost their song. Anybody under the sound of my voice that people are grief or circumstances or pressure or the busyness of life that is stealing away their song for you. God, I pray today, Lord, you would put a fresh song in their heart, a fresh song in their spirit, a song of praise to God and trust in him every single day. In Jesus' name.